Welcome to the next podcast from Milliner Info. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie, and thank you for joining me for this first episode for 2023. Today, we welcome Rebecca Carswell from Imelda Millinery to the podcast. Rebecca was the winner of the 2022 Hat Timber Millinery Competition. The competition is hosted by Hatter's Millinery Supplies in Sydney. I'd like to thank our wonderful podcast sponsors for making this episode possible. Judith M. Millinery Supply House, Hats by Lico, Be Unique Millinery, Lifted Millinery, House of Adorn, Hatter's Millinery Supplies, Millinery Australia, Hat Academy, Louise McDonald Milliner, and The Hat Magazine. If you've been enjoying this podcast series, I'd like to invite you to become a Patreon of Millinery Info. All you need to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash millinery info and you can sign up to a few different tiers to show your support of this podcast series. Your support means that we can keep bringing you these amazing interviews with milliners from around the world. There are three options. The first one is a small thank you to Millinery Info. It's about the cost of a coffee every time you listen to this podcast series, but it really helps and makes a difference to our production. There's Millinery Info, You Inspire Me. It's a little bit more, but if you found something really valuable in this podcast and you'd like to find a way to say thank you, that's a great way of doing it. And then we also have our podcast sponsors. So these are the businesses you hear mentioned in our podcast every month. If you're a business that's interested in signing up to be a podcast sponsor, we'd love to have you. You can find out more on the Patreon page, or if you've got any questions, please send them through to me. I'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to have you on board. I hope you enjoy this episode with Rebecca. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining me today for this Millinery Info podcast. It's so wonderful to have you as part of our series. Um, congratulations on winning the hat. Ember competition in 2022. Could you explain to us a little bit about that competition and your winning piece? Yes. Hi, Lauren. Uh, and thank you to you and Millinery Info for having me. It's quite exciting to be doing this podcast and I hope everyone enjoys hearing my millinery story. Um, so my piece for Hat Timber this year. Um, well, Hat Timber was something that I've been wanting to enter for quite a few years. Uh, I think Catherine Kelly at um, Hatter's Millinery Supplies does an amazing job with it and it's for a great um, charity as well being the John Skipper Kelly Foundation um, and something I really did want to enter but I just timing wasn't great or I didn't get around to it so this year I'm like no I'm definitely going to make an effort to do it and when uh, the theme was announced as uh, in your wildest dream straight away I'm like back in Europe I'm like that's where I want to go to we're being <laughs> locked down everyone is over there at the moment and that's exactly where I wanted to go to. And then, uh, so I entered, I got the pack and there were lots of pink colours in it. Um, there was the cinema, the Silk Abbey car, some braid, some ribbon. Um, and the first thing that came to my mind was this image that I had back when I was in Venice, back in 2016. I remembered it's a very cliched Italian moment. Um, I was walking through the cobblestone streets in Venice. There was an elderly man playing the violin. Um, I could smell the beautiful Italian food the tomatoes, the basil, the garlic, um, and it was on dusk. And I remember just seeing this brilliant pink sky um, and just how the clouds were waving sort of through the sky. Um, and that's the first thing that came to my mind. So that's how I sort of designed the hat around that image of the sky that I had. Um, I then added some different um, pink tones in the cinema um, on the edge and the window cinema. Um, and then I brought in a bit of gold braid, um, which was like the sun reflecting on the clouds that, that evening. 
um, and also used other pink tones in the braid as well. So that's where the design inspiration came from and also the waves and clouds in that sky that night that, yeah, that was my wildest dreams to head back there. Oh, how beautiful. And for the Hattember competition, part of the challenge that you get to sign up for is that they provide you like a material pack. Did you know what you were getting before it arrived on your doorstep? No, I had no idea. And I was trying to guess um, based on what they had provided in previous years. Um, but no, it was a great surprise when I did receive the pack. Um, the colour worked well for me. Materials worked well. So, yeah, so it was a surprise, uh, but a very pleasant surprise. Uh, did it come to you immediately or did it take some pondering to figure out what, what it was going to be? It kind of came to me straight away, um, which when I enter competitions, it doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> Normally it takes weeks and hours of me procrastinating, <laughs> rethinking it, then overthinking it. Um, but this one sort of came to me straight away and it was just picking up those extra colours that I would, I would add to it that sort of took a bit of time to work out where I was going to put them and how I was going to do it. Um, but, yeah, I was quite fortunate that this, this one just kind of happened for me. So great. And with the additional materials you added, was there some limitations of what you could add to the pack that you'd received? Uh, no, there wasn't. Uh, the main rule was that we used the majority of the materials in the pack um, in some form. Great. I love those kind of challenges because it pushes you to maybe try something or use something that you maybe wouldn't have before. Had you, was there something that caught you by surprise? Um, I'm going to say not really. It might be a little bit of a boring answer. Um, but I think it was kind of the materials that I use quite regularly. I like using, um, yeah, those sort of natural and I guess the traditional millinery materials. Um, so that was quite exciting for me. Um, yeah, so it just kind of kind of came together. Like it flowed very nicely. It did. <laughs> and are you a sketcher or a drawer of your designs before you begin? No way at all. I cannot draw to save myself, unfortunately. Um, most of the time it's up in my head. And if I do put something down, it's usually this really dodgy sketch with more words on it actually <laughs> describing what each thing is. So... No, I cannot draw. It's something I wish I could do and I have tried learning, um, but it's just not something that comes naturally to me, unfortunately. And I think clients find that a bit frustrating too because I know what I want to do in my head, um, but they quite often like to see something. So, it, yeah, that can be quite challenging. Uh, maybe one day I might try again. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, your millinery clients. Uh, but outside of the competition uh, what type of millinery do you generally make yeah so probably um it's been interesting the last couple of years there's been a little bit of a shift in the sort of hats that I make um before that was more your regular race goers so ladies that wanted a smaller piece something that was comfortable something they could wear over and over again um very basic sort of colors um one or two colors maybe that would go could go with multiple outfits um but being comfortable was their their main aim um, whereas the last couple of years, with not as many people going to the races, I've seen a shift to doing um, hats more for the fashions on the field clients. Um, so they're wanting something a little bit more out there. Um, yeah, and they're really having to push the boundaries. So it's something that's sort of been a bit of a shift for me the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and now that we're going back to attending the races in person, um, I'm getting that mixture now, So which is really, really good. Great. So good. 
And how did your how did you first come to millinery? Well, I was probably another milliner that fell into it by accident. Um, <laughs> when I started working uh, professionally, I was based out at Griffith in regional New South Wales. And Griffith's quite a small country town. Um, there's a lot of young professionals out there. And there's quite a few of us that sort of um, just gelled together, either through like sporting events, uh, community groups that we were involved in, charity events. And we found ourselves just traveling two, 300 kilometers to all the country races. And I had done a little bit of dressmaking. Um, so I'd make myself a dress and then I'd go to either like a secondhand store or a Target or Kmart and buy a hat and then stick an artificial flower on it. That was my extent of millinery. Um, and then when I moved to Wagga a couple of years later, I was going through the TAFE magazine and there was this picture of your classic 90s, early 2000s cinema hat and the word millinery. And I'm like, oh, what is millinery? So I looked it up and found out that it was hat making. And I thought, who would have thought you could learn millinery in Wagga? <laughs> so I signed up um, and what was even more astounding was that there was a two-year wait list to get oh, into it. Yeah, it was crazy. I thought, how, how many people actually want to learn millinery? Um, so I put my name down and waited a couple of years to join. Um, but in the meantime, the local university was holding like a summer creative school for a week and they had the late Paris Kine down teaching classes. Um, so I was very fortunate to do a lesson with him. Um, at the time, I probably didn't appreciate what he was teaching, um, being new to millinery, but it's something now that I still reflect on and I'm still able to, to use some of those skills that he taught. Um, but I was probably a little bit disappointed that I didn't make my uh, early 2000s cinema hat. <laughs> so I had a local um, milliner by the name of Donna Lewis. He said, well, come around to my house. I'll show you how to do it. And she taught me how to make um, a hat. So I made this lemon cinema hat with black window cinema across the brim. So Delightful. That sounds perfect for the era. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I went on and did another course um, with Sandy Buchanan. Um, did with her and then I finally got into TAFE and that was under Rose Organ who was an amazing teacher and I learned all the fundamentals through Rose and at the time I was thinking oh I'm never ever going to use this but it's they're techniques that I use all the time so I'm very appreciative of everything I learned through Rose um, and then through there a group of us kind of got into um, like doing a pop-up shop in the lead up to the Wagga Gold Cup which is in May uh, so we still, that's something, that, a concept that we still get together and do, which is amazing. And then when I moved to Melbourne, a few people said, oh, why don't you go to markets? And I was just like, oh, like, okay, sure, I'll give this a go. And so I started doing a few markets and just sort of got my name out there that way. Um, and also did quite a few courses with um, a lot of other milliners along the way. I think that you never stop learning. So even if you learn, you think that you're learning the same technique that you already know, you'll still pick up things that you don't know. So, um, yeah, so I never stopped learning and I'll always keep doing courses. And so from there, yeah, I've just sort of got my name out there, um, all word of mouth. Yeah. So, yeah, good 15 and or so years later. Here we are. <laughs> and your label is um, Imelda Millinery. When did you decide to launch that? And what was, is there a little story behind the name at all? There absolutely is a story. Um, so a lot of milliners, as you know, will use their full name in their label. Uh, it's something that I didn't want to do. I wanted to change it up a little bit. And when I was trying to come up with a name, a few people said, well, do you have a nickname? What's a nice word that you like? And I didn't really have anything. 
And then this one weekend, my dad was overbuilding my built-in uh, robes for me in my house. And I had a lot of shoe boxes with my feathers in it. And he said, oh, you're just like Imelda Marcos. And I was just like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then the next day, my grandma was over and she was looking at photos of me um, in some race outfits. And she said, oh, you're just like Imelda Marcos. And it was something that just kind of stuck in that moment. And so I changed um, the I to an A. So she's Imelda with an I. Um, so I changed it to an A. And I kind of thought shoes, hats kind of go together. So that's where the name comes from. Great story. And when in your millinery career did you like launch the label? Was it straight off the bat or had you done some of your courses before then? Yeah, so that was part of the TAFE course um, that we did a section on branding and marketing. Um, and at the time I came up with the label then. Great. And when you were going through TAFE, what kind of skills were you picking up when you were learning from Rose Morgan? Yeah, so it was all your basics like blocking, um, which I know people think it's super easy, but there's so many fine details in it, um, things to like lining up the weave and finishing it off properly. So it was more the blocking of the cinema. Um, I remember when I first started that parasizals were considered quite expensive and they, they still are, yeah. uh, and cinema was the cheap material. So we had to learn a lot on cinema. Um, and then we progressed up to the parasizals, but they were like a, like a special treat um, to make a hat out of parasizal straw and also blocking felt and just sort of understanding the principles of the materials, how they work, um, how you should um, treat them, how you should work with them, how to finish them. Yeah, so just all these basics that we take for granted, but it's I think it's crucial in, in making millinery, like making our hats. So vital. And as you've progressed over the last oh, 15 years, um, how has some of your techniques or processes changed about how you construct millinery? Um, I think, like for me, I do I do like blocking. That's one of my foundations that I like to have a, a nice shape as the base. Um, so I've probably tried to progress a little bit more in trying to get away from that and trying new techniques, even though I keep coming back to it. Um, I go through stages where I'll try different materials. Like I, I kind of want to do something that no one else is doing. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, yeah, so I sort of like to try try different things and try and think outside the square. Um, but yeah, probably progressed in just like my quality of my finish has improved. I think when I look back at some of my earlier styles, they are similar. Yes. Um, but just a little bit more basic, if that makes sense. Yeah, you, you can see and feel the development of your style and workmanship. Yeah, yep. And in there, when you mentioned explosion materials, I flashed back to your winning piece for the Millinery Australia Design Award a couple of years ago and the braid work that you did for that. Um, for those who might not have known that piece, what was the, was there a story behind that one as well? And that technique, is it something that you'd worked on developing yourself? Yeah, so that was another competition that I probably wasn't going to enter. Um, and I think there was a little bit of pressure at the last minute to put something in. So I'm like, I okay. I with you. <laughs> <laughs> Very last minute. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the braid work, the, um, the tress of braid that I use, like I really like working with that. And I've sort of, uh, I do a little bit of a renovating in my own life as well, my personal life. And I like patterns. I like prints. Um, 
yeah, so I think they can look quite sophisticated at times when you pair them in the right sort of combination. So yeah, so I'd always had a fascination with this Tressa braid, the Starbright, um, and I just was playing with it one day and it just kind of came together in that pattern that I do with it. And, and that piece being very last minute, I was just like, oh, I'll just block a shape and then cover it in braid. And I think that one, it's a few, quite a few years ago now, I think I was inspired by a cushion. Oh. Uh, yeah, and it had the three sections on it yeah. with three different kind of patterns. Um, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where it came from. So, yeah, I remember seeing one was a cross, one was a stripe and one was spotty, I think, but I didn't do any spots on that one. So, yeah, that was the concept I had for that. And then I was, and it had the little um, pyramids on it. Yeah, so that was something I think I was just playing with, um, just out of a bit of scrap, like it was nothing intentional at all and I just had a bit of a scrap that I'd fold I'm like oh that kind of works so let's let's go with that yeah so and I like um like it was the red white and navy um, I like those sort of traditional colors and yeah so it all came together which was good very rich in tone that one and we'll um share a photo of that because I think along with obviously some of your other work but I think that's a really interesting piece how you um made the braid your own yeah, and it's just, I mean, I'll give a tip away, but I think plenty of people know it by now. It's just sewing it together. Yeah, yeah. with a zigzag stitch. Magic. Well, it's magical. It looks so good. <laughs> and you created such an interesting um, texture with it. So speaking of your sewing, what is your studio space like? Well, I'm very fortunate uh, in the house that I have at the moment to have a separate studio. Previously, mm -hmm. I've always had a spare room in the house that somehow ends up uh, infiltrating the whole entire house. <laughs> so this Escapes one uh, out the door, down the hallway, <laughs> somehow went into the laundry room all by itself. <laughs> yeah, no idea how. No but idea. Somehow. How. <laughs> it's usually late at night. <laughs> yeah. So when I bought this house, um, there was a three by six meter garage on the block that someone had. The previous owners had converted to, I guess, like a little games room. Yeah. Um, but it had a really low ceiling on it. So I nicknamed it the Hobbit House because I could actually touch the roof myself. Um, so I had the ceiling raised and refurbished it inside myself. There was holes in walls. There was old dirty carpet. So I put um, shiplap up on the ceiling. I put some nice ornamental cornice up, painted it, put down some float timber flooring. Uh, so it's a great little space. We're just about to reclad it in the next couple of months, I hope. So it's just got all patchy colour bond on it at the moment, but I'm going to finish it off in the um, monument, so the black colour bond. Very nice. So it'll be nice, nice little space. Um, we've had a few dramas with it over the years. There was a leaking roof and <laughs> I'm sure there's a few animals in there, but it's that a great It makes me nervous for the straw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and I've got um, a desk space that I use that looks out like through the window and I've got mountains behind the back of me. Um, so it's a really nice view that I can see there. And probably the little piece that I love, well, it's a big piece. I've got a, it's a 2.7 metre um, cabinet, antique cabinet that's full of drawers. So lots of little drawers. So it's got all my feathers and braids and all sorts of bits and pieces in. So it's great. I love it. All the goodies. And looking out over the mountains, you've moved around quite a bit um, over your millinery career so far, but where are you based at the moment? So I'm up in Canberra at the moment. Um, yeah. And how long, have you, how long have you been there? Do you get involved with the local races up there? Yeah, so it's been four and a half years now that I've been up here. Uh, it's 
gone really quick. I blame COVID for that. Yeah, so probably more, um, and it's probably something that's happened over the last couple of years too, is everything seems to be online and posted out. I've had very few clients into my studio in the last few years. Um, And I guess there's pros and cons for that in that you can send quite widely around the world. Um, But I do miss that one-on-one interaction with clients. Um, Yeah, so probably not specifically involved in the Canberra market, but locally nearby um, as in Wagga. And I've got a few clients within sort of two, 300 kilometre radius which for us is quite a small radius being in Australia, but for some people it might seem very large. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you keep um, stock on hand or are you making exclusively when the customer requests these? How does that process work for you? Yeah, so normally I do keep stock on hand. Um, I haven't the last couple of years, but it's something that probably next year I'll look at having a range ready each season um, and then make uh, hats as clients come in as well. Great. It can be such an interesting challenge of a, a delicate balance of wanting to showcase your work and having options, but then still when someone comes in, the natural habit of, oh, but I want that one in red. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a storage issue as well. When you have all these hats made up, you need to store them somewhere. <laughs> so how do you decide what you're going to make up next? <laughs> yeah, so that's... um. Sometimes I'll sort of, I'm probably not a traditional milliner. Like I don't have a theme each season. Sometimes it's just I like this colour or I like this block or I want to do this. So I don't really have a theme each, yeah, each season. Something I probably um, need to start focusing on. But, yeah, so I sort of just a little bit ad hoc. And how do I decide? Oh, yeah, it's kind of just what comes to me. If that's working, <laughs> and you mentioned their blocks, how what is the block collection like, and what's your favourite acquisition so far? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I remember um, one of my friends saying, "Oh, I've got ninety blocks," and I was like, "There's no way you could have ninety blocks. You've just started in millinery, and here I am having like quite a few, probably, yeah, not quite two hundred blocks, but somewhere between one and two hundred. <laughs> so it's there. Uh, yeah, it's interesting how quickly you can acquire them. Probably my favourite block is a teardrop-shaped block that I got from Guy Moss Brown. Um, it's actually the block that I used for the Hat Timber competition this year. It's just a nice little shape that hugs onto the face. It suits every single face. It's very practical um, and you can do a lot with it. So that's probably my favourite one. Um, there's a few that I've got that are very interesting and I'm like, oh, I need to use that one day. But they're a little bit more out there and I've just got to find the right client, I think, for them. Or maybe I should just block them and see how it goes, I think. I think that's part of the challenge is some beautiful shapes there, but it's not always the, the right thing every time. So it's going to wait for that special moment. Yeah. yeah. And every time or every season, I'm like, I need to sell some of my blocks and I put them aside, the ones I want to sell, and it never happens. Is that when more get added to the collection? Yes. <laughs> I actually just purchased one today. So <laughs> nice little oh, beret shape. Oh, lovely. Well, we can't wait to see something on that then. <laughs> and do you still get to go to the races and uh, events wearing hats yourself? 
I haven't for quite a few years, but something I do want to get back into. Um, I used to love just going to the races and, you know, putting a couple of dollars on a horse and getting dressed up and just mingling with people. Um, it's something, yeah, I will definitely in the next couple of years look at getting back into. And I'd love to go up to Randwick. I haven't been up to Sydney for their races. Um, and also the country races are a lot of fun. We're so close to Wagga. Wagga has a fantastic yeah. <laughs> carnival there too. Yeah, yeah. I actually went to uh, the Wagga Gold Cup this year and had a great time with some friends. So it's really good. And when you are at a country race day, what's is there a different style and uh, style of hats or style of dressing in comparison to, say, coming down to Melbourne Cup for the week? Absolutely. I think ladies in the country like pieces a little bit, um, not as busy. Like you always get your one or two people that are the outliers that do like something over the top, but most like something that's classic, easy to wear, um, and they don't like too many colours. So it might just be one or two colours um, to go with a beautiful outfit. Uh, whereas I think Melbourne, a lot of people will get the hat first and then look for an outfit to go with it. Like they just love the hats and they're like, yes, that's what I want. And they'll work out the rest later on. Whereas I think country, they'll get the dress first and then then find the hat. And a piece that sits it as well. Great. And what's been some of your career highlights so far in your millinery career? Yeah, well, I have been um, quite fortunate to win a couple of competitions and being placed in a few. But I think the highlight for me is getting feedback from other milliners. I think... That's what has made me feel so proud. Um, like I've had great feedback from Stephen Jones and Philip Rhodes. And, yeah, hearing that feedback is, I don't know, you, you kind of feel like, you know, they're esteemed milliners and, you know, when they comment on your work, you, you just feel really, really proud. So I think they're probably the highlights for me. What's the project you're looking forward to working on next? Oh, um, it's got nothing to do with millinery but fixing up my backyard. <laughs> Uh, after having like all the rain we've had for months um I just yeah haven't been getting out of it so I'm having a bit of downtime for the millinery yes and fixing up my house uh, especially my backyard because it's a jungle at the moment <laughs> it's really so, but, related with the with the, the studio space being in the backyard this this feels a little bit connected still absolutely I need to get get out there somehow <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think probably next for me is I'll focus on autumn racing and doing a collection for that. And I'd like to do a proper photo shoot again. Um, yeah, so probably February, March, I'll need to start uh, blocking some hats and getting creative. And I'd like to have 20, maybe 20 or 30 hats ready to go. Uh, yeah, and do a professional photo shoot again and, yeah, get my website up and running again. I've been a bit slack with that lately as well. And just get, get back out there again. Okay. Uh, what platforms do you finding or what platforms do you use to connect and showcase your work? Probably Instagram is the biggest, um, which is like it always surprises me when you see who has commented and how far you can reach on that platform. Um, Facebook to a lesser extent these days. Um, people have seemed to dropped off that a lot. And then it's just word of mouth. Most of my clients are, oh, you've made a hat for so-and-so, I loved it, can you make one for me as well? Yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, it's word of mouth. I mean, I, um, for me, millinery is always a hobby. Like, I know people say, no, it's a proper business, but it's something I do on the side and something that's a bit of an outlet for me and it's something that I want to do because I love doing. Uh, so I don't really push myself too much because I want to enjoy making every hat rather than just trying to get thousands of hats made and 
yeah, trying to get my name out there. So I prefer to make them all personally and yeah, have that, that, yeah, that personal touch to them. Well, thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast, Rebecca. It's been amazing to talk hats with you and congratulations again on your hat temp piece. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. I hope everyone has enjoyed my millinery story. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Millinery Info. Thank you to Rebecca for her time chatting with us and congratulations to Hatter's Millinery Supplies on a wonderful hat temper competition. We look forward to seeing your entries and the theme for the upcoming year. Thank you to our wonderful podcast sponsors for their generosity and making this episode possible. The Hat Magazine, Louise MacDonald Milliner, Hat Academy, Millinery Australia, Hatter's Millinery Supplies, House of Adorn, Lifted Millinery, Be Unique Millinery, Hats by Lico, and Judith M. Millinery Supply House. If you've been listening along and would like to become a sponsor, you can head over to our Patreon page. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for joining me for this episode. I'm Lauren Ritchie, and I look forward to talking hats with you again soon.